1: Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets
2: now. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Kumo Majesty 9 Solus TA91. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, and suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive. You can go to TireRack.com slash Dan, TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. We made it to a Friday. It's a meat Friday, and that also means it's a fritzy Friday. Curious what's on the menu today? Absolutely. Absolutely. Pork tenderloin with apple jelly glaze, garlic mashed potatoes, balsamic brussels sprouts with bacon who has it better than we do nobody once again if brussels sprouts are so good why do we have to always dress them up when somebody says man i really like them well if i take away the bacon and some of the other stuff that you put on it do you really like brussels sprouts and the answer is you don't yes todd what if if you have to
3: all grotten something (laughs) that might not be good by itself all righty, eight seven seven
4: three DP show email I'm address. A shot at potatoes, by the way. Yes, it is. I'm I'm ready to fist fight if Todd wants to.
2: Well, that's why I have the protective. Uh, yeah.
1: I love
3: potatoes.
2: Barrier there the between the vegetable
1: you.
3: all around. It's more of like the certain steamed vegetables where you got to kind of put the melted cheese on. Okay, but it. can
2: you think of another food that you have to dress up more than Brussels sprouts? Brussels sprouts. Brussels. Sprouts. My dad used to have, I think
4: he probably still does, but he would just steam them and eat them. Yeah. And we were always like, dude, that is gross.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Smells. Yeah, it stinks up the whole house. But can you think of another food that you dress up and you go, man, these are good. Yes, Paul.
1: Oh, that's not good without the help. Yes. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. Like cabbage, you kind of.
1: No, actually,
4: cabbage. You could have it just straight up. Mm-hmm. It's not good anyway. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now that's yeah. two people
2: I'm taking out today. <laughs> Anybody else want to run them? We can. Yeah, but cabbage reminds me of growing up, where my mom would just say, "Just eat it." Like there was no other choice, but you had to eat it. And I'd be like, "I'd rather not eat. I'm gonna, I'm gonna chew on a, a you know, a branch or something here. Not having cabbage." We'll have a play of the day, poll question, stat of the day, all that forthcoming. Operator Tyler is standing by to take your phone calls. Eagles hold off the Vikings last night. And DeAndre Swift had 28 carries for 175 yards. And I started to uh, do a little research here for a change. And Howie Roseman, if I just say Howie Roseman, do you know who Howie Roseman is? He's the general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles. Keep in mind, going into the draft, there was a lot of talk that maybe the Eagles were going to go all in with their top 10 pick and they were going to take B. John Robinson. Well, they didn't. They got DeAndre Swift and uh, didn't give up much to get him. They lost their leading rusher, Miles Sanders. Instead of dumping assets into a devalued position, Roseman sent off a fourth-round pick to get DeAndre Swift. Now, they used their first-round pick on Jalen Carter, who, by the way, is a beast. He had 175 yards last night, a touchdown. Uh, Swift did. And uh, so Roseman and Hertz get a lot of the credit. Uh, well, Hertz does. But uh, Howie Roseman, that's another, that's just, that's a deep, deep team. And they don't look great on offense. You have a new offensive coordinator. And I think at some point they realized, passing game is not working. DeAndre Swift, let's just load him up and uh, they rode him. Vikings played pretty well. Uh, At least uh, Kirk D. Cousins played really well. And in case you're wondering, and I know you are, that uh, Kirk D. Cousins, uh, eighth player in NFL history to throw for at least 340 yards and two touchdowns in the first two games of the season. He joins uh, luminaries like Jim Kelly, Drew Bledsoe, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, and uh, the problem is, all those quarterbacks started out 2-0, and except for Kirk D. Cousins and Drew Bledsoe. Woo!
3: Ah, start of the day, stat of the day.
1: stat of the day, stat of the day. This is the start
0: of the day.
2: Stat of the day brought to you by Panini America, the official trading cards of this program. This first hour... Brought to you by Discover Credit Cards. They do something really awesome. You get back from Dublin, and you get cash back from your trips and the restaurants. You can see terms and check it out for yourself. They double all the cash back that you earn. Learn more at discover.com slash match. All right. Seton, poll question today, at least for the first hour, and then I'll run down the guest list. You want to start college or NFL? Ooh. Well, we're going to go to Boulder, Colorado here in about uh, fifteen minutes. Uh, Lewis Riddick of the Mothership is there, uh, covering Colorado versus Colorado State. So if it's Dion related, <laughs>
4: okay.
2: Colorado State head coach Jay Norville's comments were smart or silly. All right. Let me play the comments. He's at a bar. They usually do these, radio, you know, every week radio show. The coach has his own show. You're playing to a home crowd. You got a home court advantage here. And they're getting everybody fired up. And uh, here's the coach for Colorado State. You know, we're excited. Our kids are really, you know,
5: we had to do a bunch of ESPN videos. And it was great. I loved it. And, and, uh, but our kids came out of those videos really with a chip on their shoulder. They're
2: tired of all that stuff. They really are tired of it. And I sat on with the AS today, and I don't care if they hear it in Boulder. I told them I took my hat off, and I took my glasses off, and I said, when I talk to grown-ups, I take my hat and my glasses off. That's what my mother <laughs> talks So, <laughs> you know, they're not going to like us no matter what we say or do. It doesn't
5: matter, okay? So let's go up there and play. And so I, that's just how I feel about it.
2: Okay. That puts it in context, I would think. I think he's wearing a visor while he is <laughs> saying this to the uh, you know the booster club or whatever it is. Well, of course Dion had to uh, use this as motivation, as only Dion can. Everything's personal. Uh, it was personal the first game. It was personal last week, and now it's personal. Here's Dion Sanders.
6: I'm out of my own business, watching some film, trying to get ready. Trying to get out of here and be the best coach I could be. And I look up and I read some bull junk that they said about us. Once again, uh, why would you want to talk about us when we don't talk about nobody? All we do is go out here, work our butts up and do our job on Saturday. But when they give us ammunition, it was just going to be a good game. They'll messed around and made it. It was going to be a great test, a battle of Colorado, but they'll mess around and made it.
2: Well, when I heard the comment yesterday and I was like, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? Okay. He doesn't take his hat off or his sunglasses <gasps>
1: off. <laughs> it's not, not the way I was raised.
2: Yeah. Oh, now it's personal.
4: Now it's personal. Okay. Don't we... bring mothers into the equation. Yeah. You
2: don't bring mothers into the equation. Oh, my goodness. That's how my mom raised me. All right. Good. Good. So now it's personal. Yeah. Does your poll question have to do with Dion? Uh well, I had the one uh
4: are the comments also being overblown. Okay. Okay. Um are they overblown? Uh, yeah, by Dion.
2: Yeah. But it's smart though. Yes. I mean, he's already got the ball. Going, personal. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's already got them all. No, I get it. Right I, in line. It's absolutely. Great. I get it. I mean, do I think that they were still going to go out and try to crush Colorado State? I don't think they thought, you know, we're in for a really tough game here. It's like you're favored by, I think, 23 and a half. I don't think people think this is going to be a close game, but now I know it's not going to be a close game because it's all together now. Personal. 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 Yeah, pulling
1: The line moved a point and a half since those comments. Yeah. <laughs> It was 22 and a half when we were on the air yesterday. Now it's 24. That's oh, right,
4: coach. Okay. That's right, coach.
1: Is this on a tee for Dion, though? He's he's looking to sure. have these things. He'll, sure. If he can't manufacture it, he takes a light little jab and makes no thing. That's great. Yeah. Whip the kids up. Yeah. Okay.
4: Yes. He, Is Dion getting a little bit of the uh, he-skipped-the-line treatment from other coaches? Um. Like maybe uh,
2: Jay and I think he should. Because I, now, you know, you're, you're hearing conversations or analysts saying, you know, this paves the way for other black coaches. No, it doesn't. This is Deion Sanders. It's, it's not like, now, if you're a famous coach, it may pave the way for you. That maybe you're going to have a big-time program or a big-time school that'll take a chance on a big-time personality there. But there's only one Deion Sanders. If if uh, Yale decided to hire J.J. Watt oh, to be their head coach we'll and then college game day would go to Yale, then you'd say, okay, that's a famous person jumping the line. I mean, Dion jumped the line, but keep in mind, he went to Jackson State. He tried to jump the line and go to Florida State. But what he did, he took the job. He wanted to prove he could recruit. They could win. And then he caught the attention of, a program that's been down in the dumps for decades. They took a chance, and now he is the topic of college football. Yes, he... But based on the strength of Dion's
4: career, that's why he didn't have to be, you know, the strength and conditioning coach, and then the yeah. defensive back coach, and then the this and then that, and then, you know, bouncing all over the country, building a resume for himself. His playing career was is his resume.
2: Yes, but you still have to coach. Like Steve Nash took over the Nets. Oh, I jumped the line. Like, okay. Um, he's a Hall of Famer. One of the great point guards of all time. Uh, he worked with the Golden State Warriors. Dion didn't get Kerr. the Dallas Cowboys job. We got the Brooklyn Nets job with a team that was supposed to be competing for a championship. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, Dion didn't skip the line up to the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, but he tried Steve to. Steve Nash did. He tried to. He tried to go to Florida State. They didn't obviously they didn't hire him. Yeah. But I mean, look, you hire who you think can turn your program around or who's the best guy. I was a big proponent for Dion getting jobs. I know that there were two jobs that he was looking, interviewed for, and then he got turned down. I'm like, you guys are crazy. Because he's gonna he's gonna bring in players. You know, Steve Kerr, did he jump the line? Did Doc Rivers jump the line? You know, there there's it's littered with guys who have gotten the opportunity, but it helps being famous. Does this mean that other black coaches are going to get the opportunity to jump the line? The answer is no. If you're famous, you know, Eddie George got the job at Tennessee State. If he's successful there, does he then get a job? And, you know, in a true division one program? Maybe. But Dion. there are very, very, very few athletes. You can put Kobe in there, Allen Iverson in there, guys who are just, transcendent, you know, that kids are going to be imitating, talking about, and, and, you know, they still do that. Dion hadn't played in how many years? And you still have kids who, if they make an interception, going in for a touchdown, do that little Dion dance going into the end zone. Prime is, you know, he's front and center. Now, you can't afford to lose this game. This, This would be the worst loss for a team the entire year. When you think about it, everything that's attached to this, you know, now you got Oregon next week and then you have USC. If you could somehow win this game, which you should, then you have Oregon and then you get to host USC. Now, all of a sudden, that's the game of the year. Oh man. That's like Tennessee, Alabama last year was the game of the year up until that point. But I have no problem with Colorado hiring Dion Sanders. Uh, he's the right guy, and he could have been the right guy for a lot of programs because he has star power. Plain and simple. Yes, Todd.
3: Why would Florida State and some of these other programs not have hired Dion? They didn't want the circus. They didn't believe that he could be a good coach. I'm curious as to why they wouldn't go. Oh, he with hadn't
2: him. coached before. He was he was an unknown quantity.
3: But that's the same for Colorado.
6: They Then they took a chance.
2: Well, no, he was at he Jackson, at Jackson State. State. Yeah. yeah. He, he, Why? I don't
4: know. See, that's the thing. Like, it was like a, yeah. Like, his time at Jackson State wasn't real or yeah, something.
2: Yeah, you it know, was. it's it was legit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, he put him on the map. Game day went to Jackson State. What is, what is college football all about? Recruiting. Getting recruits. Being relevant. Dion can recruit and make you relevant. And he's smart enough to hire guys who are smarter than him to be on his coaching staff who are the X's and O's guys. He knows his strengths and knows his weaknesses. He has done a great job in, you know, exacerbating that. And, and now you have, I mean, you have a legitimate chance here to have your son be a Heisman Trophy candidate. Could you imagine if that showdown USC in Colorado... And they're both undefeated, and it's Caleb Williams versus Shadur Sanders, and who's going to be the Heisman Trophy front runner? Because that's what it's going to—that'll be—that'll be what is sold. That I mean, doesn't that
4: sound crazy? It though? is.
2: Like it. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> they had talent. I just thought they had top uh, top end talent. They didn't have it all the way through the roster, mm. and that's why next year was the year because Dion was going to get his players, and they—they're ahead of the curve here. Good for him. Good for us. Gives us something to talk about, yeah, Paul.
1: Your point about Dion hiring good assistant coaches it can't be underwhelmed. He, when he got the job, he said, "I need a budget where I could hire coaches from around the country." And he got a big bump in his assistant coach budget when he took the Colorado job, and it allowed him to poach a few top-end assistant coaches. Which there it is.
2: All right, uh, we'll get phone calls coming up. Lewis Riddick will join us. He'll be uh, joining us from Colorado. He's out there with the mothership as they get ready to uh, surround. I I think everybody's out there. I think uh, First Take's out there. I think The Rock is out there. McAfee, I don't know if his show is out there, but uh, they're getting guests from out there. Uh, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart's out there. Kathy Lee and Hoda. I don't know if they're out there. They might be. (laughs) They
6: might be. A
2: little Prosecco in the morning. Yeah, get a little... (laughs) Well, saucy. Yeah, the view is going out there. The view, okay. Yep. Whoopi's going out there. Sure. Yeah, everybody's going out there. Everybody but us. We spent all the money on that Dublin trip. We could have been out there this this weekend in Boulder, Colorado. Does Keeper's
6: Heart have anything in Keeper's Boulder? Keeper's
2: Heart? No, they don't. Oh. No, they don't. All right, we'll take a break. We'll uh, head to Boulder coming up, and uh, can Colorado live up to the hype? Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I can eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? Or I don't know, take over a minute to down a two-liter? Well, if you have, then you're going to love pick six. It's the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Here's how you play it during the playoffs. Pick between two and six players and choose if they will have more or less of a stat, rebounds, points, assists, and more. Also, you track your picks, play against others for a shot to win at some big cash prizes. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18-PLUS in most eligible
0: states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at
2: pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. The all-electric EQS sedan from Mercedes-Benz is luxury and innovation on a truly magnificent scale. It's not just the flagship of the Mercedes-Benz electric lineup. It sets a whole new standard for all luxury electric vehicles. You're going to marvel at this epic 56-inch touch-sensitive hyperscreen featuring self-upgrading next-generation AI and a beautiful, intuitive interface for both driver and front-seat passenger. You'll experience next-level comfort in an exquisite spacious near silent cabin that makes this flagship feel more like you're piloting a spaceship and you'll appreciate the graceful aerodynamic design that almost completely eliminates drag for an outstanding operating range of up to 350 miles on a single charge the EQS is an object lesson in just how far electric mobility has come the vehicle is all electric the feeling is all Mercedes take a test drive learn more mbusa.com EQS Uh, Louis Riddick, college football analyst, NFL analyst, and uh, former NFL player, a teammate of Deion Sanders back in the early 90s. So he'll be on the call, Colorado, Colorado State, with Mark Jones. That'll be on the mothership at 10 p.m. Eastern on uh, Saturday night. He joins us from Boulder, Colorado. How is morale in
5: Boulder, Colorado? Dan, it couldn't be higher, man. I mean, people around here are absolutely fired up right now as far as what they've considered to be a new age in Colorado football. I mean, it is – these kids here believe in what Dion is doing in just the way that I expected them to, to be quite honest with you, because it's the same thing happened to Jackson State. This, this is a guy who brings a tremendous amount of credibility and competency, and they're seeing that he positively is impacting them on and off the field. From there – Everything else is really characterized by 100% buy-in, man, and the and the fan base around here is just they're they're excited to see what this means as far as the upside. Once this roster continues to develop and he's able to get even better big men, because right now from a skill position perspective, you'll see on Saturday night, and you've seen already, these guys can go, man. They can deal with anybody in the country from a skill position perspective.
2: Yeah. I thought that they were top heavy going into this year, just because Dion trying to get his plan in place and bringing in recruits and get rid of the old players. I thought next year was going to be that year where you go, boy, they made that leap. I mean, they're so far ahead uh, of expectation level, but also is there any chance they can lose this game
5: Saturday night? (sighs) There's always a chance. It's a rivalry game and and Colorado state did not, put even close to their best foot forward against Washington state two weeks ago when they went, um, when Washington state went into their home place and pretty much took them apart. And Washington state's going to be a good football team. You're going to see that by the end of this year, that is a darn good football team. And they're going to beat a lot of people. Yeah. There's always a chance because they can throw the football too. They have a version of the air raid and they just made a change at the quarterback position. They've got some wide receivers that can go also. And right now Colorado's defense it's, let's just say, a work in progress, all right? They're not they're not going to shut anybody down. They're going to outscore people more so than they're going to dominate them on defense. But do I expect Colorado to win this football game? Yeah, I do. I, just, I wonder if Dion can keep these kids really dialed in and living moment to moment and not looking ahead because they've got two just monstrous tests coming down the road with Oregon and SC in the subsequent two weeks. So as long as they don't look ahead and they stay in the moment, I expect them to win the football game, but I don't expect it to be a blowout. I hope it's not a blowout because I hope that the rivalry aspect of it and what Jay Norvell has obviously sparked around here in terms of people being fired up, I hope that helps his football team. I hope his team can cash the checks that he's writing right now for them as far as what he said uh, just yesterday.
2: Yeah, and, you know, Dion's taking whatever. It's like the Michael Jordan method. Hey, what what did you say about me? I mean, even when guys didn't say something about Jordan, he still made it into something. Dion's made everything personal opening week. It's personal last week, personal. Now this became personal because of what the uh, Colorado state coach had to say. What is Dion's role when the game starts?
5: You know, I I think look, he's obviously put together a very, very good staff. I think overall, from a 30,000-foot view perspective, there are certain things and certain ways that he wants this team to play that he will definitely communicate to his assistants as to how he wants the game to unfold. I mean, obviously, he's a very smart X and O person, both from an offensive and defensive perspective, because he's done both. Um, But I think he's without a doubt the CEO, and he lets the offensive and defensive coaches do what they need to do. And that's that's really the role of any head coach. And he's been very smart about that from what I can tell. I'm looking forward to, like, today we're going to go over to the offices and we're going to talk with him. And I've texted back and forth with him over the years. And, and these are some real good questions that I'm going to wind up asking him, just about how he how he runs this operation, both from a, you know, a preparation standpoint and then a game day standpoint. But I'll tell you this, it looks as smooth as can be. And you know what? I, I think the thing that maybe people will, in due time, give him more credit for is the fact that look, Dion is Dion's not just about marketing and hype. This is a football guy, man. Who I, I look, I remember back in, in the early '90s when I played with him. He is super, super football intelligent. Now, so let's not just don't, let's not get into the to all the hype and the and the kickoff returns and interceptions and the way he played the game. This guy's a student of the game. And he's a great leader. And he's a guy who's tremendously charism- charismatic. So people don't want to believe that. People keep like wanting to like make digs at this program and say, look, this is just a flash in the pan. There's no way they can sustain this. Don't bet on that. Don't bet on that. You'll make yourself look foolish.
2: He's Lewis Riddick of the Mothership. He covers the NFL and college football. He'll be on the call with Mark Jones. That'll be Saturday night at 10 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, When you, if I would have said at the beginning of the year, when you get your schedule... Yep. So you knew you were gonna do this game in the preseason?
5: No, we did not. This is you know, you know how how it goes really in college from week to week. We kinda like um formulate the schedule as it goes along because you know, obviously with college games, you want to have the most impactful games in the most impactful time slot. So, you know, we were just alerted that we were getting this game about a week ago. And so, no, there hasn't oh, been a whole lot okay. towards it. The first two – we knew the first couple games, you know, the first two weeks of the season. But, um, no, this one was um, – we just found this out about a week ago.
2: I, I saw where Mel Kuyper said that Dion's son is now yep. – he'll be a first-round draft pick. Yep. Okay. Why wasn't he a first-round draft pick when he was playing at Jackson State? Why is it that you play yeah. two games – like, this drives me crazy. Like, yeah. he, he's the same player – and and was he a first round draft pick at Jackson State or he just became one because now he's doing it at Colorado against TCU and against Nebraska?
5: You're, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head, Dan. I mean, look, a lot of times what happens is, well, first of all, you know what a lot of what Dion wanted to do down at Jackson State and what he wanted to do for HBCUs overall was get them more notoriety and get college scouting departments, scouting directors, general managers, taking that that, uh, football down there much more seriously from a NFL perspective. And they weren't. That's just a fact. They weren't. And if you throw on the tape over the past two years of what Shador was able to do down there, you will see many of the same things he's doing right now. I mean, he is a guy who is extremely poised, confident, Smart, strong in the pocket, can can create, throw the football at all three levels. He can do it all. It's just that now he's doing it on a national stage, against teams that have quote unquote brand recognition. Everybody knows. Everybody knows TCU. Everybody knows Nebraska. Yeah. So now that you're doing it on <laughs> on Fox, now that you're doing it on ESPN, and people are talking about it, they're kind of like, there's there's more eyeballs on it now. People are going, oh, okay, all right, maybe he is pretty good. So look, he's been doing this his whole career. And now he's just doing it on a bigger stage where now people are going like, you know, the bandwagon jumpers are jumping on. And I, and I don't want to say that about uh, NFL front offices because they're not necessarily bandwagon jumpers, but I think now, you know, a little bit of the herd mentality does kind of creep in, which is, well, okay, well now it seems like it's okay to maybe kind of step out there, you know, and go out on a limb and say, yeah, this guy is extremely talented and he is doing it at a higher level of competition, quote unquote. But look, he hasn't changed as far as the characteristics that he has put on display from day one that he stepped foot down at Jackson State. He's, he's getting better and better, but this young man has always been that player. And if you go back and watch him and you just change the uniform, he looks the same. He's just getting better, and he's doing it on a bigger stage. That's all. And Travis Hunter was one of the top recruits oh. coming out of high school. Yeah. Could, could you see him playing two-way in the NFL? If someone will let him, yeah, it's a really—it's not going to be about Travis not being capable of doing it. It's going to be whether or not people are willing to let him do it. And look, I mean, there's does, been very. Does Dion
2: see himself in Travis Hunter?
5: No question, absolutely no question. Yeah. And when you break down his tape, look, Travis right now may be more skilled and more impactful as a wide receiver than he even is as a corner, <laughs> because he—I mean—just exquisite. Route running ability, body control, hand-eye coordination to track the football. I mean, it's almost like these guys get bored on just on defense because they're not at the point of attack enough. I mean, they can be, you know, eliminated from a game just by avoiding it. The wide receiver, you can't eliminate me. If they want to get the ball to me, they'll scheme it up to get it to me and put my hands on. Travis is different. He really is. And I don't, I don't like you know engaging in hyperbole too much, Dan. But look, having played with Dion and actually been in awe as a teammate at how fluid and different and one-of-one he was as a teammate and as a player, when you watch Travis Hunter, and any time he's at the point of attack, if you're a betting man and you could actually like, freeze live action in that moment in time and go, I want to put some money on whether or not this guy's going to win this contest, yeah. you would bet on this kid every single time. And that's what you would have done with Dion too. I've seen it. These guys are different. This young man is different. And when you see Deion talk about Travis Hunter, his eyes get this big. Because there's no (laughs) doubt. What he's seeing is, that's a modern-day version of me. He's that legit. I hope he puts on a show tomorrow night. What's your
2: favorite Deion Sanders story, either on the field or off the field?
5: (laughs) I think, well, I think on the field, 1992, we were playing in Washington um, down at RFK. And he hadn't. He hadn't been around because he was playing baseball at the time. And that's my rookie year, really, in the NFL. And there's all this buzz about Dion's coming tonight. Dion's coming today. He's coming he's gonna be at the hotel today. He's gonna to be there. He had taken, he hadn't hadn't been in part of any practice, any meeting, nothing. He showed up on game day. They had his uniform laid out and all this. And I'm just like, I've never met the guy. And my heart's beat because you know he was he was the dude at that time. And I remember, man. We were doing. We were having our kickoff return meeting on the sideline because we're getting ready to go out there and do kickoff return. And I knew he was going to be back there. They were going to put him back there. And he walked into the huddle, and he said, "Just give me a little room. Just give me a little room. I'm taking this thing to the house." He said that to a group, and I was just like, "This guy hasn't even practiced. He's been playing baseball. I mean, what's he? What are you? What are you talking about?" And I'll tell you what, Dan. They kicked the ball off, man. And I was the right, the left end on the front line of the kickoff return team. I mean, I'll drop back, take my drop, you know. And I can see the ball going, you know. And you hear the crowd kind of building, you know, as obviously the guy catches it. And I'm getting my block, and out of the right corner, out of my right eye, I just see this blur. And I see these legs kicking up. Up. Oh, he froze up. And I see him, man, from about 40, 40. Oh, no, wait Wait, wait, hold on. You, you froze up. Started holding that ball with two hands and then started putting it up in there. I was like, the first time he touches it. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah.
2: Hold on for a second. Hold on. Oh, man. We got That's the best. We, dramatic. There? We yeah. got right to the part where a blur went right by. Yeah. You guys, yeah. Okay. Okay. So a blur went by you on the kickoff with Dion.
5: Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. He goes by, and I just see i see him come. He's breaking right up the middle of the formation, and he breaks right to the sideline. And he's about maybe 40-yard line at this point, the plus 40-yard line. And I see he has the ball in two hands, and then he takes it, and you see him put it in one hand, and you just see him start high-stepping. And I'm, I'm sitting there running, and as I'm running, I'm going, he told us he was going to take this thing to the house. He told it. He hadn't had any practice. I had never met the guy. And then he danced for about – 15 seconds, 20 seconds in the end zone. It was this, it was the coolest damn thing, man. Because I was like, this guy literally just flew in the town. They put his uniform out. He went back there and he took it a hundred plus, just like that. And I'm going, I just looked, I was just going. And from that point on, I was like, look, anything that he wants to do, anything that he puts his mind to, he's been successful his whole life, let alone what he's overcome off the field with his health situation over the past couple of years. Yo, he's a unique dude, man. More, he really is. Hard not to be
2: in all of him. More impressive, Bo Jackson or Deion Sanders? Oh. Well,
5: I, I think because of Bo's power. Like, Bo's almost like a myth, man. Yes. It's like, Bo wasn't even like, real. <laughs> you know, I mean, how, how many people, right? I mean, how, I said to somebody the other day, how many people you know that can take a baseball bat and crack it over their head and split it? Yeah, I mean, I'd break my neck. He's, Bo, Bo's different. And I think Dion would tell you that, too. Bo's just a different style. That 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 kind of power and speed, I don't think we've ever seen that. I don't know if we'll ever see that again. I know you were in the uh,
2: Eagles' front office. Um, if you were in the Jets' front office right now, and they said, yeah. all right, Lewis, what are we going to do with the quarterbacking position? Whether it's trading for somebody or as a starter or bringing in a backup, what would you recommend?
5: Yeah, I think at this point, look, you drafted Zach Wilson number two overall. He's had, what, five, six months around Aaron Rodgers. But can he play, though? I know, I know yeah, you have I know, to know. But, I mean, th- but think about the alternative. You're going to bring in somebody new who hasn't been in your system, who hasn't been around your team, and you think you're just going to throw him into the mix here now in week two and he's just going to give you something that Zach can't? I just don't really see that happening either. Would you want a veteran presence and influence in your quarterback room? Yeah, I think he needs that. I think the construct of your of your quarterback room is is very important. But what would you be telling yourself? What would you be saying to your – well, I guess sometimes you do have to just face the fact that maybe you made a mistake. The Niners did. I mean, the Niners admitted they made a mistake. True, true. You're right. You're right. And and as I think through it, I mean, I I get your point. But I think for them, look, Nathaniel Hackett's just going to have to work around whatever deficiencies they still think Zach has. And they're going to have to make this work with him and ride the other strengths of this team – as far as they can go, is this going to be what they're going to have to do? Because there's nobody who's just going to ride in and just kind of save the day and pick up where Aaron left off. It's just not going to happen. Look, this is a tragic case of a franchise quarterback getting hurt in a in a in a way that you never could have foreseen. As there is, yeah. there's no two ways about that. But this is, but this is Zach's moment, man. From a physical perspective, that isn't the issue. It's all up here. We always knew that about Doc Wilson. We're going to see whether or not Aaron helped him get that going the right way or not.
2: Have fun. We'll be watching on Saturday night. My best to uh, Mark Jones. Uh, we played, played, a few, I will. played a few basketball games against each other. All right. Yeah. right. I'll let him know, man. Thank you, man. You got it. That's Lewis Riddick. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app.
5: Hey, it's Ben, host of The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller. It would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is The Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of The Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry, in media, sports, and more every week. Explore
6: some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to the 5th Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments,
2: You're going to like where they're going. With a full range of EVs now available at your local dealer, Mercedes-Benz is turning electric completely on its head. Experience the all-electric EQB, a versatile luxury SUV that can seat as many as seven. The brilliantly advanced and superbly equipped EQE SUV, positively alive with groundbreaking technology. The inspired EQE, the electric sedan with energizing comfort features that recharge you. The boundlessly capable EQS SUV, a vehicle that takes luxury and innovation to places they've never been before. And of course... The magnificent EQS, the flagship of all EVs, delivering the Mercedes electric experience on a truly epic scale. The vehicles are all electric. The feeling is all Mercedes. Learn more at your local dealer or mbusa.com slash EQ. As you may have realized,
0: I watch a lot of sports. Like, a lot. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my live sports and docs in one app. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for
2: add on subscriptions.
0: See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.
2: Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk Live, co host and contributor to Football Night in America. We're just talking about the Justin Jefferson fumble through the end zone. Where do you stand on this? And is there any chance that a standalone game moment like this could change the rule at any point?
3: I hate the rule. It's a reflection of an outdated approach toward the sanctity of the end zone. You know, there was a time where an incomplete pass, if it landed in the end zone, resulted in a touchback for the defense. That has changed now. It's just unfair. The idea that the defense did nothing to recover the football. And if the fumble had gone out of bounds at the one millimeter line, it's the offense's ball at the spot of the fumble. But if it trickles across the front of the goal line, it suddenly is awarded to the defense first and 10 at the 20, at a minimum, put the ball at the spot of the fumble. Why do you get it at the 20? None of it makes any sense to me. And it will never change unless and until it happens in a Super Bowl at a key moment. Because, Dan, here's what will happen. After last night, we'll huff and puff about it today. And then here comes a bunch of bright, shiny objects on Sunday. And we forget about it. And then whatever happens in those games, we'll complain about it. And then Monday, bright, shiny object. And then Thursday, bright, shiny object. It takes the last game of the year with a big audience of casual fans who, when they learn of this rule, will say, what the hell is that? Well, that makes no sense. That's the kind of outcry it's going to take. Because, Dan, one thing I've learned over the years, teams that get burned by a rule like this, they don't complain all that much about it because they think the next time it's going to help us. And that's the reality with this rule. It's a 50-50 thing. Everybody who gets burned by it, well, somebody else gets helped by it. And you think over time, it's all going to even out. So we're fine with it until somebody loses a Super Bowl over it.
2: Okay, what would be your solution? Put
3: the ball at the spot of the fumble. Offense gets it. It should be no different than if it goes out of bounds at the one-inch line. It goes to the offense at the spot of the fumble. What has the defense done to justify possession. Again, it reflects an outdated view of some sort of sanctity of the end zone and it's enemy territory. And if you lose possession of the ball in our territory, we get the ball. I don't like it. I don't think it reflects the modern approach to offense and scoring. And it just seems unfair to award the ball to the other team when they have done nothing to recover possession of the ball.
2: All right. You're talking about modern offenses. The quarterback sneak with the Eagles that uh, I think that was up for debate in the off season. The big push that they're able to do that. I don't know if anybody else has mastered this quite like the Eagles have, but then not many teams have an offensive line like the Eagles have. Why are they allowing this to continue?
3: This one's bizarre to me, Dan, and I got to take you back 17 years prior to 2006. It was against the rules to push a runner from behind to assist him or pull the runner. Around 2006, they realized, you know what? We never throw the flag for assisting the runner. And we used to see it downfield. Guys fighting for a first down. Here comes the offensive line, boom, and pushes him past the yellow line. They were never calling the foul, so they took it out of the rule book. And it took a generation almost for a team to look at it and say, you know what? We can like incorporate that into our offense. If you're allowed to push the runner, let's push him from the snap. And the Eagles have perfected it. There was debate in the offseason about getting rid of it. I'm surprised they didn't muster enough votes to do it because this isn't one of those rules that benefits everyone at some point. This is one that's benefiting one team that is willing to constantly put its quarterback in harm's way with this play. And eventually, maybe he gets injured during that play. But it's just ugly. It's not something that, you know, there's no drama to it. It's automatic. I think the NFL is looking for moments of greater drama and uncertainty. When they line up like that, you know they're going to convert it. No one has an answer for it. So I think it was close last year. And if it continues this year, it's it should be the last year that it's in the game.
2: Andrew Luck retired four years ago saying he needed to, quote, remove himself from football. Well, he's back, he's on the field, and he's a coach at Palo Alto High School, right across from where he played his college ball. I saw that you had an article on Pro Football Talk where could the Jets reach out to Andrew Luck and at least gauge interest? Now, is that, that would be tampering. Can, so would they have to go through the Colts to then ask about Andrew Luck to get permission? Is that how it works?
3: Yeah, they'd have to call the Colts and get permission to talk to Andrew Luck. And if they were going to desire to sign Andrew Luck and if he was willing to come back and play, they'd have to do a trade with the Colts before they acquire. him. mean, we know that because there was a story earlier this year that in 2022, when the commanders were turning every stone looking for a quarterback and ultimately found Carson Wentz, they reached out to andrew luck and jim ursay went to twitter and said anybody who contacts andrew luck without our permission is committing a violation of the tampering rules so we're already on notice now the reality is i was told by someone last night dan marino is more likely to come back at this point than <laughs> andrew so it's all academic it's not going to happen and i think the jets are all in with zach wilson they're not looking for someone to come in and supplant wilson at least not yet they're looking for a backup to come in and be an understudy to zach wilson They're in for now with the plan that Wilson is the guy and let's see what happens.
2: We're talking to Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk Live, co-host with Chris Simpson. Who's the backup for the Jets? Tim Boyle. Okay.
3: Right now there's only one quarterback on the active roster. They'll bring Boyle up from the practice squad for Sunday's game. And I assume maybe next week they'll do something. They tried to sign Brett Ripon off the Rams practice squad. He decided to sign with the Rams active roster. He was with Nathaniel Hackett in Denver last year. Hackett, obviously now the Jets offensive coordinator. So that's the kind of guy they're looking for. They want to to rally around Wilson. And why shouldn't they? I mean, I saw the guy get criticized for how he played on Monday night. They beat the Bills. He came into the worst possible situation you could imagine. Four snaps into the season, Aaron Rodgers is done. Hey kid, grab your helmet and get your ass out there. Anyone out there, and he won the game.
2: Can so, you win a Super Bowl with Zach Wilson?
3: Can you? <laughs> yes, if your defense is is as good as some of the members of the Jets' defense seem to think it is. If it's two thousand Ravens, two thousand two Bucks. 85 Bears. It's almost sacrilegious to even say that, but DJ Reed said it not that long ago. And you've got Brees Hall and Alvin Cook. If you construct a game plan week in and week out that focuses on what Zach Wilson can do, and and don't expect him to do too much. Don't expect him to be the hero. You could win enough games. That, you know, maybe you thread a needle or two, and you get lucky, and you could get there and win it. I, I it's in in this year's AFC. It, I think it takes a great quarterback to win in the playoffs, and it's going to take great quarterback play, a big throw in a big spot to win those games.
2: And do you think Zach Wilson can do that?
3: Well, let's fast forward to the postseason. I mean, if they get there, he presumably will build more confidence. He will get better with good experience. They win games. It becomes kind of an avalanche. So maybe he's a guy who, by the time they get to the playoffs, He can perform like the guy everyone thought he was going to be. You know, every time there's a quarterback bust, the team gets accused of reaching. Nobody was saying Zach Wilson shouldn't have been the second overall pick in the draft. It was a given. It was Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. Remember when the 49ers traded up, we knew the first two guys off the board. Lawrence, Wilson, and then the 49ers had their pick of the rest. So this wasn't some crazy outside-the-box thing. Wilson was regarded as the number two talent in the 2021 draft And now he gets a reset. He gets a chance to start over and build some confidence. By the time we get to January, if they make it, maybe he will be good enough to make that big throw. He's got the physical skills to do it.
2: Okay. If you're the Rams or the Vikings and the Jets reached out, uh, Matthew Stafford, that contract, you probably couldn't bring him in. Could you bring in Kirk Cousins? Uh, These are two teams that probably aren't going to be playoff bound. If they are, they're going to be on the periphery, but... If you're the Jets, it's about winning a Super Bowl. You could upgrade with Stafford and or Kirk D. Cousins. Could you see that happening?
3: Well, remember when the Vikings lost Teddy Bridgewater in late August of 2016 and they thought they had a team that could contend. They gave a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick to the Eagles for Sam Bradford. It didn't work out, but they felt compelled to do it. So if the Jets were going to go that route, the Rams are out of the question at this point. Even though the Jets had Stafford as their plan B to Aaron Rodgers, once Stafford had like a $57 million payment become guaranteed, the Rams can't trade him now because next year they would take a $55.5 million dead cap charge if they trade him now. No acceleration against the cap now, but next year, how do you put a team on the field when you got $55.5 million under Matthew Stafford's name? With Cousins playing out a few weeks, Vikings lose to the Chargers next week, let's say. Let's say they go to Carolina and lay an egg, and then the Chiefs come to town. I mean, you get to 0-4, 0-5, 1-5, 2-6, trade deadline the Tuesday after week eight. I mean, the problem is, are you really going to be in position to throw in the towel on the season if you're the Vikings, even if you're 1-7 through eight games? It's, it's too early, mm-hmm. and Nick Mullins is your backup quarterback, unless they – they start talking up Jaron Hall, the rookie from BYU, and they're like, hey, he's ready to go, and we want to see what he can do, and we want to evaluate him. But I I think for now the Jets want to make it work with Zach Wilson. Also, the Jets' first two draft picks for 2024 are tied up in this Rodgers deal. It's a conditional second-round, first-round pick. They can't trade either of those picks, even though it's only going to be the second-round pick at the end of the day. Those two picks are frozen, so they'd have to come up with some other way to get a Kirk Cousins or a Matthew Stafford.
2: The most winnish game this weekend, must winnish.
3: You know, I want to say that there is no must win game week two, but that's a cop out. We got to pick one of them. I think the bills are under the most pressure because I've been saying for the past few weeks, the bills to me feel like, you know, that game Jenga when you're about 20 moves into it and every, every plank that you move, it just starts doing this. I feel like the bills are just doing this and it's just a matter of time before it all falls down. This whole Josh Allen thing with all these turnovers. Like do they not have anyone Dan that that can go to him on the sideline in the middle of a game and say, "Calm down. Here's what we need to do. There is here's the playbook. There is no play in here that results in 21 points with one throw of the ball. We've got to run the offense the way it's designed. You can't go out there and be a hero. I know you're frustrated that we're not beating the Jets by 30 points even with Aaron Rodgers out. I know. But we got to run the offense. Ken Dorsey is not the guy to do it. We saw how excitable he is. Remember, after the loss to the Dolphins last year, and he's throwing stuff around in the booth. And Sean McDermott's running the defense this year. He's calling the plays defensively. So he can't say, hey, timeout. Somebody else called the plays. I got to go talk to the quarterback and get his mind right. The problem is he tries to do too much. And we see athletes do this from time to time where they have so much faith in their abilities. They try to do more than they can, and it gets them into trouble, and they get desperate, and they can't get out of it. And if they lose to the Raiders, and Chris Sims picked the Raiders to beat the Bills, gutsy move week two. If the Raiders beat the Bills this weekend, they got a real problem in Buffalo.
2: Before I let you go, the uh, Deion Sanders bandwagon, two games into his Colorado career, and you already have people like Michael Irvin saying, He could be successful as the next Dallas Cowboys head coach. You, I think, are on the Deion Sanders bandwagon, aren't you? Of could he be the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys?
3: I would hire him to be the head coach of an NFL team if I was the owner and I was looking for a coach. Look... At the end of the day, and, and people say, oh, that style won't work on NFL players. Baloney. When I hear Deion Sanders speaking to his team, I'm 58 years old. I want to get up and run <laughs> into the wall. Now I won't run through the wall. I'll bounce <laughs> off of it. But if it motivates me, how's it It's going to motivate football? I mean, we all have a desire, Dan, to, to have someone reach into us and press that button that makes us go out and be great. And that's what Dion has. And when you listen to him, and I don't know if you saw the clip from a few weeks ago that the Cardinals put out there of their new coach, Jonathan Gannon. Yes. With the team. How did you get here? Did you drive or take the bus? What the hell is that? Like, Dion would work in the NFL. And I, I think that they should be clamoring now. When you consider he can get it done and look at all the attention and buzz and you're going to get primetime games and you're going to be the focal point of so much attention. That's what these teams want to do. Yeah, they'd like to win, but you also want to sell a lot of merch. You want people to be excited. You want your team to be one of the hot teams. And whoever would go out and hire Deion Sanders would be the hot team going into that season. I, 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 I think any smart owner needs to be thinking about making a move for Deion Sanders right now.
2: But if you're Dion, do you want to work under Jerry Jones when you know that Jerry wants to be the coach, owner, quarterback, and general manager?
3: Well, well that's part of the problem. And, look, Deion would have options. I, I don't know. I, I think the Cardinals are tanking now. Are they too inept to properly tank? We'll see. I think they'd like to get Caleb Williams. And if I'm Caleb Williams and Jonathan Gannon is the coach of the Cardinals, I say no thank you. If I'm Caleb Williams and they brought in Deion Sanders to be the coach of the Cardinals – I'm thinking maybe the Cardinals are figuring out what it takes to be successful in the NFL and I'll go play for them.
2: But does Dion maybe want to go where his son is going to be the quarterback? That,
5: that does he,
2: if I asked Dion, let well, have to wait till USC Colorado, who is uh, going to be a better pro Caleb Williams or your son? Oh.
3: That That's part, that's part of all the things to be determined as the, as the season <laughs> unfolds. But, but look, It's it's the biggest story in football. I was stunned last week, Dan, when I think it was Betmgm reported that there was more bets placed on the Colorado game than any of the remaining NFL games for Week One, and that rarely happens. And it's usually like Michigan, Ohio State. It was Colorado, Nebraska for crying out loud. So this guy is a magnet for attention. He's got that natural charisma. He knows how to motivate players. And I think he knows how to win. We're seeing it one week at a time. And every week there's going to be some idiot that says something that gives him low-hanging fruit he can use to motivate his players.
2: No uh, motivation from from this segment by you. because No, no, um,
3: I'm all in. Hey, I like great stories. People ask me, what do you root for? I root for great stories. And it would be a great story to have Deion Sanders as an NFL head coach.
2: Did you send flowers to Aaron Rodgers?
3: Hey, hey, I don't know if you've heard. Hard knocks worked on me. I've turned around on Aaron Rodgers. I like Aaron Rodgers now. I like this guy who's aware that his football career is pulling into the station and he's (laughs) savoring every moment. He's a sympathetic figure to me now. I feel awful for him. I was all in with the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. I I had changed my tune, so maybe I should. Maybe I should send him some flowers.
2: This will cheer him up right here. Oh, I'm sure it will. Yes, it will.
3: I'm sure he cares. I'm sure sure it makes him feel better. It probably makes him feel worse (laughs) to think that, he's actually changed my mind but I, <laughs> I i hope he comes back next year and i hope he plays great next year and uh, it really is it really is sad that it happened for the game for him for the jets for everybody we but we've been deprived whoop there goes my microphone of what would have been a really great season and uh hopefully he'll be back next year
2: thank you mike have a great weekend
3: see ya dan